Hello and welcome to the F24 podcast. My name is David and each week, as I'm sure you know, I invite a creative over to my studio in North Acton to talk about their lives and interactions with London, culture and creativity. This week's interview is with Louis Lopez-Smith. You may have heard about his company Tottenham Textiles. It's an amazing studio up in Seven Sisters. I met Louis when I was visiting my mate Johnny Banger. His shop's next door to Louis. Johnny, being the gent he is and knowing how much I'd love to see the space, introduced me to Louis. I was completely amazed. What a studio. Loads of machinery, screen beds, exposure units, carousels, workbenches, and an amazing ceiling. Plus, there was two beautiful staffies there, which is always great. The work he produces with his colleagues in that space is unique. Beautifully designed and manufactured, and obviously really inspiring. I didn't know much about Louis or Tottenham Textiles, other than my visit to the store, and obviously checking him out on Instagram, at Tottenham Textiles. So it was great to sit down with him and talk about his journey so far. We went through his education, his time at the Royal College, where he got a BA in men's fashion working for different brands and also teaching at university level and then obviously eventually we did um the, the bags for like the skl launch you know that oh, wicked. Done, like mad fast because it was all last minute and you know really good brief mate like a bomb proof jd sports bag so we like smashed them out and printed them brilliant chapter one london via anglesey a nice start to this week's conversation as we don't start in london Louis brings us to Wales and gives us some great insight into his upbringing, surrounding school life, what it was like around there, and how he got into music. Easy, Louis. How's it going? Good, man. Thank you very much for coming over. Pleasure. Wicked, wicked. Um, I only got to meet you briefly when I popped over with my one and only visit to Johnny's shop, but um, what I saw was fucking amazing, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so what, when was that then? That was that was a year ago. He must have just opened, wow. I think. Yeah, so John just got the shop, I guess, and we were, I don't know what we were working on, but yeah, it's always pretty busy. It's a busy room. What, what goes on in there? Well, um, I guess Tottenham Textiles is like a sampling unit. Um, we cut and sew clothes to so go from a drawing, do the pattern work, test it through in terms of like twirling it. Um, and then through to like a final sample. But then with that, we kind of do a lot of print as well. Okay. So we'll do the same sort of process with graphic, uh, whether it's the branding or you know, an all over print or a screen print or all sorts. We've got a lot of machines. We've got an embroidery machine, probably a little bit after you Wicked, first man. come in. So we got our head around that as well. So we kind of like to do sort of a lot really. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the room was amazing, man. And I will get back soon. It just it looked, yeah. Well, it's the ceiling in it. Everyone's oh, just on the ceiling. It's massive. It's just great, great yeah, space, yeah. man, and like just really industrious and productive, and yeah, yeah. it was dope. So, so anyway. that place was derelict when we when yeah I got, when I got the keys. Yeah, we put a new floor in and ceiling, and it, yeah, it was fully derelict. It used to be like a squatted that building. So I took the section sixes off the inside of the windows when I did it up. Oh, sick! Yeah, fucking hell! Yeah, it's proper. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears when it's that bet, room. man. Yeah. We'll hear about the, the build of that spot, but um, let's uh, let's start at the beginning and then um, yeah. yeah, go back to the beginning if you like. Where are you from? Uh, I was I was born in Liverpool. Yeah, in 1984 to my parents. Wicked. Uh, they were both art students in Liverpool. Yeah. John Moore's um, dad's from the northeast, from Redcar, and mum's from down there. She grew up in sort of South London, Streatham. Okay. Sort of area and did they meet up there at uni yeah they met in uni amazing man yeah and then i popped along um there's a picture of me my mum holding me at a graduation and then dad was a year below so he had another year yes 
yeah young parents yeah, killing man. it yeah they're doing their thing my mum did fine art and uh dad's doing textiles wow textile design so was home life very creative then yeah man yeah always like when we eventually settled in wales a few years later mm. um mum was painting dad was doing his bits they were kind of unemployed for a while when they first got to wales and mm. then dad ended up getting an art a, te- a teaching job in a, a private secondary school nice so he kind of like locked out and he's, he's been there until recently till like last term he took early retirement at wow, 55 yeah. man yeah yeah killer yeah that's wicked so what liverpool, how was liverpool when did you leave liverpool uh pretty soon really after okay. my parents finished my dad um was a he's a super talented guy and he got work in london doing like fr- sort of freelance textile printing for people amazing and i uh, worked on like sort of films and things and in a few studios oh. and we were staying at my mum's mum's place and my nan's place yeah. in uh, Red Hill and he was travelling in above above my granddad's old deli. Wicked in Red Hill, yeah. Yeah. So that was that. And then my dad's sister lived in Anglesey. Oh and yeah. I think they went up for a holiday and just did I think they just wanted to stay. Do you know what I mean? And um This is the spot, this is the place, beautiful yeah. place. And then they rented a house that they ended up buying and my dad still owns. Wicked. little tiny cottage that we all grew up in lovely man so you brothers and sisters yeah yeah so then we sort of ended up i don't know the exact date but like my brother came about in 87 uh-huh. and he was born in wales so and then my little sister was in 1990 okay and what was what was the did you was it in angle so you grew up then probably? yeah yeah what, yeah how yeah. was that what was that like it's weird man i've been trying to sort of think about this for this really a bit and trying mm. to sort of get a concise it was sort of um i mean you wouldn't have known anything else really n- yeah do you know what i mean so yeah but did because i've like spent time in london yeah and so like, you've been yeah you've been in, in cars and this is it, it was yeah. in primary school and like no one in my pri- i went to a first language welsh primary school oh, do you know wow. what i mean so like it was like straight in there yeah like learned welsh is fucking you know, hell, crazy mad having like maths lessons in welsh and stuff and so did that, but always, we, you know, was always going down to visit mum's family in, in London and knew that, you know, there was more out there so, I mean, from a young age. Yeah, was that quite strange as well, coming from where you were? Like, an outsider, there, man. Yeah, so being yeah. an outsider and then also having this, well, yeah, we've got family in London, so we go down there sometimes. Or, yeah, people are like, what? What? And yeah, I, I was born <laughs> in Liverpool. How'd you get there? What? Yeah, exactly. How'd you get there? Yeah. <laughs> On the train. That must have been amazing, man. Yeah, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was good. And like, I was always a big kid, and I? I was quite tall, so like, you stick out for that. But okay. then like, not being pretty English, it's like another thing. You know? Wow, yeah. But it was a, it was a, it was primary, it was, it was a good place, man. There was a, this little, little town called Menard Bridge. Um, that's actually where I went to secondary school as well. And there's a, uh, there's a university building there. So mm. Bangor University, Bangor's the nearest city. Um, and they're really big on marine biology. So the marine biology is on the coast. They yeah. had a boat there. And so it was a kind of like university town. So there was, there was a lot of like international kids at this primary school, you know? We had like, cause people would come and do their doctorate or whatever yeah. and their kids would come to the school. And I remember at one point That's in primary school, I've been like, you know, cause I was, you know, 
Louis Lopez Smith have not like yeah. didn't fit. They kind of like the other team. I was big. The teachers kind of like, well, look, be mates with Louis. <laughs> he gets easier it. Yeah. For you kind of thing. <laughs> then, but at one point, I've been like a Mexican mate. Brazilian mate and an Australian mate. Oh my god! In primary, in a Welsh primary it? school. That yeah. is amazing, man. And the yeah. first speaking like well, yeah. primary school at that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I suppose you never really think of that. Those types of things, do you? Like, mm. I wonder what those kids are up to, man, and what that did to them. Yeah, that must have been quite yeah. nuts, isn't it? Yeah, but I think a lot. I think a lot of. I, don't know, th- none of them really stuck around for very long. No, they do a year, whatever, and it's six yeah, months. And a year, they'd, yeah, and then they'd pop off back to, yeah. uh, I don't know, wherever they... It's like the army stuff. kids you hear about. Yeah. Yeah, same yeah, that, type of lifestyle, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing, man. Okay, and so what? how did school went well? Yeah, like, I think I was always kind of... I didn't really enjoy school. No. Um, you did it, but... Did it. But Primary school just went by, yeah. and I was this big kid, and mum put me in sandals all the time play football <laughs> it's just like bits of that like the, I've the, been there man that, I've been yeah there. <laughs> sort of you know that was that that kid of it didn't really fit in so much but you know did it and then what was it 96 I went to local state school uh and that yeah, that was that was interesting yeah um so yeah just like weird stuff sort of happened there anyway but like I don't know, I kind of lucked out. I don't even remember how it happened, but like there were a few like older lads that were in sixth form. I was in like first, like first got to school and mm. like, I don't know how they were like, who's this kid, Louis Lopez Smith? Like with the weird name. <laughs> and almost like, I think kind of got sought out, but I was like terrified, like these big lads, like Louis Lopez Smith. I'm like, yeah. And they were like, sick name. <laughs> right and like that's big when you're like yeah of course man yeah like, however oh, four, yeah. the kings like, of the school just fucking yeah. crowned you a prince like when you were in year one yeah they did and anyway, like, it? you kind of that kind of worked so it was kind of like all right in that way in school and always got on with the older kids really yeah um and then i just yeah remember then it kind of like more of that was sort of because every because it's really rural place everyone had to get these like mad 45 minute buses that went all around the houses to school and they were a bit sketchy yeah but there was a as a kid that, in terms of the way the kids behaved on them and stuff yeah, or? There's stuff going on people like smoking weed and do you know what i mean yeah it's all a bit on top so pretty nasty fights on the buses and stuff um but there was an older kid johnny lived in my village and he he had older brothers hmm. And he had a Technics jacket and always had a headphone in. You know what I mean? One of the first kids I remember seeing was a Walkman. And I remember he lent me a tape pack once. And oh, it was just like, it was like, what? Blew your mind. What was it? I think it was a Dreamcast or yeah. something. I think. And like at the time, and I thought my dad will kill me for this, but he he uh, he uh, caught a kid at his uh, sex at private secondary school. So the kids had a bit of money. He caught a kid with a Walkman. Yeah. He's a fucking art teacher, isn't it? So like didn't really have to do it, but he yeah. confiscated the, the Walkman. I remember, I remember having it for like the odd week here and then. And I think he'd give it back and then a dad would confiscate it again. Yeah. He had this little thing. You I got think. to borrow it. Yeah, and it had like mate, the only tape in it was like the prodigy and like like it wasn't then a wee tang, but like just good tunes. So usually like my little world was just going to school and listening to music and I'd record stuff off John Peel and I have little tapes so and stuff. So what, was it just, 
it's, it was a thing, isn't it? I suppose we just get into music as kids, don't we? Like yeah. listening to radio, whatever, dad's car, whatever mm. it is, we pick up on it and then you decide, all right, this stuff's made for me. And you kind mm. of start getting into it more and more. Mm. So John Peel's show was something he'd want to tune into. and Yeah, man, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It had everything on it. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Everything. Uh, and I, guess, I think I locked out in a, in a way because my parents were quite young and also like dad was really like dad loved the beastie boys you know what i mean yes, like, dad. loved them and yes. so we got that quite early and you know when other kids are getting like the rolling stones and yeah. the Beatles and this dead yeah, stuff yeah. it's kind of like got quite good music he was this big skateboarder in it like, my old man so it was kind of like that all sort of came together um and then later on in secondary school it would sort of take us me and my mates to manchester like on a school night which yeah. is like a good drive yeah just to go to gigs go on dad yeah yeah and like it was it was funny because like everyone would be like oh is your dad all right where is he and then like he'd literally crowd surf over us at like shut up yeah i remember like was it raging speed horn or something like some dirty gig and he was like fucking jumping off the stage or something like that. <laughs> yeah he got that stuck in you know? so he was well into music as well then yeah yeah wicked yeah and then like mom's a reader in it so yeah. it's kind of like you know it's people i think sometimes people are a bit maybe one or the other yeah 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 nice man nice so what was your first like taste of music do you think a bit more away from home was it the rave stuff that yeah like i think that i think yeah like the first stuff that i'd found sort of myself was kind of like i guess like yeah, like the race, a lot of radio and kind of like, there's a band called the Super Fairy Animals. Oh yeah, I remember them, yeah. That were like Welsh and just every, just, they're just myth, they were myth, like the myths I of bet. Wales. Yeah, like of everyone course. knew about them yeah. before. They Someone's cousin. Or well, this the, is it. Yeah. I like ended up doing an art foundation with Fear, who's like Griff's nephew and like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what's mad? They, they, um, they're, because there's two brothers in the band, they grew up down the road for me in this little village. Yeah. Like not even a not even a mile away, like really close. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting listening to Fuzzy Logic like quite early, their first album, being like, "Where the fuck do I know this from? Like, <laughs> where do I know this music? Like, you just know it." And they used to practice down the road. Shut the band. up. Yeah. My dad actually taught them on their a couple of them on their art foundation. Yeah. Before he got his teaching job, so it was always kind of like. Yeah, they're local around, legends, so it's good it? to be proud of them, man. Definitely. Yeah, they've done sick. amazing. That, right, that, like, Come on. And then their first gig, uh, my first gig. Yeah. What second gig? First was like a Queen tribute band with like yeah. my mate's mum. Like, <laughs> she, she was yeah, trying. Yeah, it was out. cool. It was like, I think it was the same venue though. We went back probably quite soon after that and it was Super Fairy Animals and it was just like, you know, that, that Brit pop kind yeah, of, yeah. but a bit punk key a bit yeah. more raw and then they got that song the, the man don't give a fuck which just turns to a rave because they played it at the end so it was like rock and roll and rave like in your face and they had those big cartoon like That's animals right. they used yeah. to dance around the stage with man like we lost our shit we weren't even drunk or nothing like i remember having to pull my mate off a telephone box outside <laughs> and like dad's here come on we gotta go just, just super just like, amped. Oh, yeah, yeah that was just, amazing just overload completely wicked man yes. so yeah music because you fell deeply in love with it yeah man yeah big time and it was you know it's that time as well in the like you know mid 90s when you know 
we, when we all got to school and it was sort of internet was just starting, music was a thing that we all sort of shared. And it was a real tribal thing as well, you know? You had like the kids that listened to certain music. Yeah. And then the kind of like, it was only really like two groups. It was like the townies, big old group, and then all the other weirdos that just kind of like- yeah, Listened to things. And didn't really have a name. We just yeah. all hung out together and like music was a big bond. Yeah, yeah. like mainstream and yeah. not sort of yeah. thing. Everything's fed to you or you either go and find it which is what yeah. you were doing, yeah. Yeah, and then that quickly turned to bands, do you know what I mean, when they're young. Uh, is, lots of bands and yeah, around. So is that, the, the bands thing, does that come from being introduced to good music and listening to good music and finding out who the good music's made by and then realising people around you realising, oh, you know what, we can do this. And so it became, did you join any bands and be part yeah, of them? Yeah, a little bit later, not in school. I mean, I, I did like, trumpet in primary school and I was terrible <laughs> I was I was really I've not got the rhythm in it really and I remember like the nail in the coffin for me on the trumpet was when I had to go and practice in the field out the back of the house I was making too much noise <laughs> in the house it was like nah I'm not, nah, not nah, look it out. <laughs> it's not gonna happen I remember being in primary school and like yeah yeah I want to do music thinking it would get me out of normal school <laughs> and the music guy was like What's your name? Louie. And he's like, trumpet. It's like, all right. I've got this beaten up old trumpet that, you know, probably didn't help either. But yeah, that didn't last long. And then, Genius teacher. Yeah, <laughs> it, basic. And then, and then what, uh, okay, I think I'd like, I had bass guitar. I always kind of went back to bass guitar. But I'd always kind of like sell them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, have them for a bit. And then, yeah, and then kind of like college, when I left school, I was in college. Me and like good mate Gareth, we just called him G, and a couple of others who I was in college with. He had a little annex, like little house in yeah. the garden that he lived in. So like just band with him in it. So we kind of like you could practice and chill and days and days. Mate, we'd start Friday, like start Friday night, and we'd end like Sunday afternoon, and yeah. we'd just play. Like we'd fall asleep under bass guitars or like <laughs> yeah. with your head in a drum, or <laughs> and we'd just make noise yeah. you know it was really cool and like to thank Janet Gareth's mum for letting us do that really that's brilliant man. she actually the, one of the first times I went around there she bought us a Bill Hicks tape wow yeah so it was like well, it was like a real spot yeah like, kind of like real formative sort of time um, but yeah we did this we never played a gig recorded one song yeah <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. it's just the doing though isn't it really yeah, man. and the kind of like DIY and like filling the car with speakers and yeah. just getting about and then like going to see bands and talking to other people in bands and then going to other people's parks I like gave up the guitar bit and started, started shouting over stuff a bit Wicked. and went and did that with a few other few other people yeah. and that was a real real fun yeah. we'd go to gigs there were a couple of places in Bangor the nearest city that, that uh -huh. little spots that like the odd pub here and there and was it predominantly rock yeah, man, like metal, like yeah, full, so like it was when kind of like that new metal thing was massive. That's when I hit the Deftones and like that whole era and was okay. sort of into Corn and all that. Wow, man, sort of era of of metal and Soulfly, like loved that. Like, Did loved you? That. Were you buying music? Were you collecting music as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was um, there was a really good record shop in Bangor called Cobb Records. Mm -hmm. so we used to, we used, that was a bit of a hangout. Wicked. So we'd all go there. Our CDs. It's amazing, yeah. man. When you find it, isn't it? When you find that, that, yeah, that love, 
and how you just yeah you just tore it's for the it, chain in it you yeah. kind of like because back then albums were like a big oh man thing for musicians and they'd get their mates in other bands like towards the end of the albums like, i remember at the end of like early death tens album you have max cavalera from soulfly singing on like engine number nine i think it was and you'd be like who's that <laughs> and then fucking hell soulfly yeah. like and it it kind of you felt like you would get like you're a part this, of something isn't it yeah yeah um, yeah. yeah, and when any of those bands came to tour, we'd like try and get to Manchester to see them. Was that where they predominantly played? Yeah, yeah. it was the nearest place for us. Oh, yeah. I remember going, how old was I? I was, I was like stupidly young, but my parents let me go down to London to see Pennywise with like an older mate. Wow, wicked. Like really young. <laughs> and the Astoria. Yeah. Yeah, when it was still there. Okay. It was the year they put the Millennium, the eye up. The big, that was a laugh. Wicked, man. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what came off the back of you being involved with the music and that? Like, you... well, I did went to was in college doing mm. media production uh, and, for any and AS, or just... AS in photography, which is what John did. That's yeah. what's really funny. Yeah. I did the same shit in college <laughs> um, just to get through college. Yes, yeah. We were just you know doing what people do in college, isn't it? Yeah, um, driving around in cars and. That was the main thing. Yeah. But just going to college <laughs> on the side sort of thing. Just getting through it. And off that I got um got a place at Warrington to do sound engineering. Yeah. And was like bang up for it. I mean at that time it was kinda like yeah, it was like really getting into the sort of just wanted to bit do band stuff, do you know what I mean? And did you see uh, any prospect in in uh, like your town and or in Bangor or anything for that or did you think I'm, I've got to look further afield yeah, no one ever made it man right. like it was hard work being in a band yeah man. like when we were in the when, well we did actually you know we did when I was in college it was um, it was funny because we were all like you know 16 all the kids that like you know leave school and, mm. but there was uh, it was basically most I think like f four no it was three members of like a five piece band on the course and they were all in their older 20s I think Marcus might have been in his early 30s. Mm. So the whole, it was a small, you know, year group, maybe like 15 of us. Oh, right, okay. So the whole course just turned into the band called Valium. We just turned into Valium's like production company. <laughs> then all, like they recorded a load of their stuff in the studio there and like we'd go to all their gigs, the whole lot. We'd do the odd sort of video and they'd go up to Manchester so we'd everyone would pile in the coach. And like, dope, man. So you just utilised... Smart, isn't it? Really smart, yeah. man. Yeah. And they, do you know what? They did actually sort of, just towards the tail end of that time, they went, they did a little tour in Denmark. Yeah. Um, but they were amazing. I don't know what they're doing now, but they were, oh, they were serious. They were doing well then. They, they got the most talented guys hearing. around, yeah. around at the time. Well, um, man. And yeah, it was, you know, it was a lot of very like heady, times yeah so, i mean yeah young kids hanging out with a big a big band or for us it was a big band um but yeah that was really cool and then yeah getting that place at warrington i was sort of i don't know i just sort of didn't commit fully i got like deferred it for a year right so i didn't go like straight away but w why not i don't know were you like you were convinced you wanted to get into sound in some way yeah i but think at that time i think that was me trying to rebel against my parents because they're like textile printed yeah. dad and then mum artist painting it's yeah. kind of like well 
can't completely rebel. I'm never going to be an estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, music felt like me doing my own thing, maybe. Yeah. But I wasn't sure, because that's, I guess, why I deferred. And then... Yeah, it's um, hard to... You're not going to really know why. You know, it's hard to, you've got to really analyse that to figure out why. Yeah. There's no need to. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> need that. <laughs> um, and then... I was, remember I was, I got, there's no, there was like no work in Wales really, like no good work or nothing like that really paid very well. Uh-huh. I remember like after finishing college, me and G got a, got a job cleaning an abattoir at night. Ooh. That was it, man. Like we'd heard of this job and like, oh, it's like one of the, you know, it's pay, good pay. That's crap right. pay. But it was like paid and like you got little bonuses because it was hideous. It's the place BSE started. Oh shit! So, yeah, it's this big abattoir. So we'd go in when the day shift finished, and hose it, put like hazmat suits on, and hose the hose the stuff down. And Fucking hell! Met some real weird people doing that. It was, wasn't doing that long, like a couple of months, and then we were going back to me and him because we couldn't do the band thing anymore. Yeah, so we were just fucked, like just knackered at weekends and stuff. So G downloaded Fruity Loops, so we'd be up till like five in the morning working and we'd always go back to his because he lived down the road and have like a little make a few beats and fruity loops and fall asleep what type of beats are you making they were dead punky like just yeah? they sounded to be honest it sounded like grime really oh, yeah. like really like kind of fast we probably got the tempo way off do you know what right, I mean? yeah, but yeah, like yeah. but you didn't you knew you weren't gonna be making band music yeah and so fruity loops was gonna give you this opportunity to make music a lot easier yeah. Yeah. position yeah, <laughs> sitting yeah. down for yeah. one <laughs> after yeah. a fucking long night's work yeah so you just yeah. started getting your head around that yeah and just messing about really and then didn't really do anything with it probably I think either of us have even got the files anymore um but then I had a visit from like my mum's cousin came up to Wales and was like just said to me like what are you doing I was like cleaning an abattoir so whoa, like what? Not what you're doing in life, like it's like oh, I've got this place deferred for you, and he's like, this is kind of just towards the end of the summer, and he's like, go and do an art foundation, like what are you doing? Just do You've it. got a year, just go do it. Like and I was like, fair enough, that's such a good idea. Sort of managed to get on within a week. I went down and had wow. a little sketchbook, and they were like, yeah, took us on, and that's really where it all sort of turned around. Ch- everything changed then. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Um, was the Fruity Loops kind of the end of the music thing then, yeah? I've not really done it since. So that's, it must have been, it was a kind of bridge, wasn't it? You you couldn't fulfil that part of, you know, whatever whatever you were fulfilling by playing and making music with your bands mm. and just being around your friends and that whole lifestyle you had as a teenager. Mm. And then life happens, work happens. and mm. Imagine you didn't find the bridge though, man. I wonder I what would it. happen if you didn't find Fruity Loops. Well, yeah, your it, cousin came not, down, it, but... You know, it makes a lot of sense because, like, later, way later on, after, you know, later on when I was in Manchester and stuff and studying, I always kind of went. I think I always put it down to the media bit. Yeah, having been hanging around that band Valium, there was always, you know, doing fashion. It was, it was for me, it was always video and music first, and I'd make videos with music to them instead of like fucking mood boards and yeah. all that stuff. So I guess yeah, that fruit loop moment was pretty like key in that because that was the first digital like mess about yeah whether i mean yeah i mean that's going even further it's just kind of like i don't know at, at that age when you're 
branching off and you're about to go to uni or even just finish education and go into work life, it's time to kind of drop the hobbies. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Pull up your socks. Come on. Yeah. Put that down. You yeah. need to go to work. Get your sleep. Yeah. Go back to work. It's, and it's time you get to that age and you kind of like drop the hobby. But yeah. you and your mate, G, had figured out like, oh, hang on, we can still yeah. fulfill this need in us. Like, yeah kept your eyes open in that creative world I suppose in a yeah, I don't definitely. know but I'm probably going way too deep it's no, just I'm it's finding it yeah I just it think is. it might have been just yeah, that little yeah. bridge yeah it's that kind of in between thing and also like computers always big my dad used to sit us down and in front of I don't know how he got he's a bit of a bit of a computer nerd and he remember he used to sit us down in front of DOS and stuff do you know what I mean and mm. be like you've got to learn this it's the future <laughs> I was like don't want to it's boring like, <laughs> what are you on about like, so right <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> he was right but like and I kick myself for not yeah. like because the age he showed us that like if I'd you know gone on that it'd be, it might be a bit different well you might have some but, money like, but this is it yeah, yeah you wouldn't thing. be doing what you're it's doing but so, then, pro- oh. this is it like, cause I can't mention this but it's really funny there was this actual re- rebellion on my part with the artist teachers right? when it comes to picking GCCs I didn't pick art. You didn't pick yeah, art? man. That was like a fuck you, I think. To like wow. Because that's... drama instead. I, I was going to say, Frank, you picked something great because... You had to. Yeah, you had you to. Had, there's that column that's in it right. at the end yeah. of like RE, drama and... That's right, yeah. All the, all the kind of... Yeah, the things whatever, I didn't care about. We have to yeah. do these. Yeah, the stuff we care so, about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like... No I to art. No to art. Oh, and my dad, yeah, I think they were... I think they were fuming but then it got to the point where like final year GCCs and it was lit I think it was like a few months before nah, it couldn't have been a few months it was ba- I think it was like a couple of weeks before the first GCC exam my dad was like you're coming to my school we're signing you out for, of your school and you're doing an art GCC in like a week <gasps> what <laughs> yeah. he wasn't having it <laughs> no son of mine so I ended up with an extra GCC in it because I got, did the art thing that's got, brilliant. Got an man. A as well, but I don't know how legit that was. <laughs> just like, sorted that. But that was the first intro to Photoshop and all that. Wow. Like in a big, I just sat at a computer because uh, the kids there were well weird. Didn't want to talk to them. Oh, so that's like your dad's private school. Yeah. They were doing, was their course, like an art course was just... Yeah, yeah, he was an art, level art teacher. Yeah, like, so it was private school and a boarding school as well. So right. it was like GCC and A-levels. So yeah. it's kind of like... But do you think they're, um, obviously, the access to materials and mediums and Mate, the that fact that you've done... Compared to what we had in our school. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. You probably it's had like an RM another world, something. man. We just had in our state, in David Hughes, where I went, it was just a room with crayons in. <laughs> I'm not even joking, man. Sorry. Like, not even like literally. Like thinking back, it was that, and there might have been a like a bag of clay, some craft paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like it. Which is probably why I didn't pick oh, it. I was like, this is schools, dead, man, mate. These don't poor kids. Like, that day, there's like I have running, not running, not. It's not even a running joke anymore. Like when I meet up with people I went to school with, we genuinely have a conversation where it's like we missed out like going to that school oh mate yeah we had to catch up like seriously yeah there were kids that was that there was a good five group of five kids when i was when it got to like you know the year halfway through that like whatever the gcc is like two years in it halfway through that first year they just got signed off just got given a check told to go home they just weren't going to pass anything yeah and they just like wrote them off innit? 
that, that way is the fucking signing on place. They'll give you a check over there. Don't worry, mate. You can just... Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Oh, so fucked, man. Yeah. And we kind of all like, that was, that was, that was school in it. And it was, it just got chaotic towards the end. We yeah. were big year. Lots of like, looking back, like lots of troubled kids and messed up situations doing really heavy stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, and then that kind of gave me the kick. Like that was like, I've got to get out in it. And that was like the drive yeah. to get to uni in any way, really. Have those aspirations, they're worth it. Yeah. 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 Wicked. So yeah. uni was in Manchester, yeah? Yeah. Wicked. So you moved out of home. Yeah. Went to like two uni, went to an interview in Bristol. And I like, I didn't mess about with my my interviews, innit? I remember I had an oil drum with, a, with like wheels on it. And like a big portfolio, I dragged this oil drum all the way down to Bristol and back in a day. It was like full of all these like objects I'd made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was long, man. Conceptual art. Yeah, just out there, innit? That's out wicked. There. And I remember the two guys interviewing me, both had sunglasses on. And I was like, why, why are you wearing sunglasses in the interview? And one of them pulled them down and had a black eye. Oh, like, shit. That doesn't explain why you're wearing glasses. <laughs> Chapter two, culture. Libby really wanted to see more and made a conscious move towards that. He has realised he can keep pushing his creativity through going to uni. And in this chapter, Louis explains what he did and got up to in his education and working worlds, which I'd say is the cultural experience part of his journey so far. He's done loads. This is really informative. But yeah, I was, I was like dead into going to Manchester because off our foundation, there was, I think, 13 of us that all went to Manchester. Oh, wicked, man. So we had a crew, man. I bet. That must have been dope. Oh, it was nuts. We just hit the ground running. I like. bet. We, I think we did our first, like, we did like a comedy night within, I think within the first term we were there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like. Organised, put on. Yeah. yeah. And then that evolved. And we did that for like, pretty much till, it, till uni got serious. So like two years. Wow, sir. And it ended up like a prop, it ended up in a massive rave. The last thing we did was a huge charity rave. It was bonkers. So you were doing comedy? No, not you. No chance. Part of the <laughs> yeah. group you went up there with. There were a couple yeah. of like funny lads, like Chris, the two Chrises, and then me and Shea actually did like a puppet show. I think we like we were doing these, making these puppets. It was funny, right. and we'd put like paper up all over the walls and invite people to draw. And it was meant to be like an art night, yeah thing. Um, so you properly fell in love with art lifestyle then? Yeah, you man. We did the, yeah, we did it. We did all that, and then it kind of, you know. We were just, we just, we loved the, like the promotion of our nights and trying to get more and more people through the door. And so, we, you know, there's a big, I think there was a good, you know, there's a good, like maybe like sort of eight or 10 of us in the sort of, the sort of, sort of that thing it yeah. was called. Okay. And um, so it started as that thing on a Tuesday. And then I think it was just that thing because we couldn't get Tuesdays <laughs> and like it moved around and stuff. And we put a lot of effort into doing posters. You know, we'd have like, 12 different posters for each night you know what I mean we'd all do one each and because back then in uni was, a lot of stuff was free so like free printers and, yeah. and all that and design sign print out these photocopies whatever yeah and at the night what was it just pure comedy and, or, no, and music as well quickly went into music and it turned out uh, Chris Bukowski was like a bit of a sort of like garage because he was from London okay. so he was like oh he used to always moan that he'd always hang out with all these Welsh lunatics because he was like the only one that wasn't from Wales and like he lived with the, like a load of them as Wicked, well. He, yeah, but he, um, yeah, he was on his music thing. Really good as well, like proper good. So like DJs happened and then that, you know, we, we had live bands, we had 
uh, all sorts, all Amazing. sorts. Of... Appropriate name then that thing. Yeah, because it was just it was everything. Yeah, bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know that thing that one, that one. That... Yeah, I remember like just get, going a bit daft and like you know, taint, you can't really spray paint in a club and mm. like, it all got a bit silly. And then yeah, ended with that big old rave we had that got ended up getting. It was yeah, it was a monster. But uni went really well. Yeah, I worked hard, man. I had that kind of like this mad drive to like, because being like, it was a fashion degree. Right. Um, and I didn't, not that I didn't fit in, it was just kind of like, I was me. And then the fashion degree was like this other <laughs> sort of like. What made you pick fashion? When you do an art foundation, you do like three, the first half and it's, you do a bit of everything. Uh-huh. And then like halfway through, you put it all on a wall. This is why I'm an art foundation. And then like the tutors go, well, that's really good. You thought of doing this in uni. And then you kind of gear for I the see. rest half, you gear to getting into right. uni. So I just made all, we did all this stuff. So we did 3D, fine art, graphics. And it, within 3D, there was like a textile bit. And I made all these um, sort of like, you can't call them outfits. They're like objects you can put on really. And then they were like, they're really good. You should go do fashion. So I Dope. <laughs> sort of was open to it. And were then, they good teachers at the college then? Yeah, they were a really good crew. They, they'd all gone, this mad, because they'd all done their art foundation and gone to uni together and like, kind of had known each other for wow. years. Um, and there was like this mad dynamic, like they'd have little arguments and like... Because they're just super old friends and... Yeah, but then they'd so be much. mates yeah, as well. Of course. So it was like, yeah. it was a really good energy, like really good, good time. And it was in a really beautiful place. It's in this place called Park Menno, which is like an old industrial state in the middle of nowhere in Wales. It's just in the middle of the woods with a little lake. What a difference to the secondary school. Yeah, it was like a little, a little, but also different to like when I did, it was the same building that we did co- college in. Yeah. But the college bit was down the other end and it was not nice. It's really, it was odd. It was kind of like, just went down the corridor and it was like this totally different fucking thing. <laughs> Utopia. Yeah. <laughs> That's <Nah>. amazing. <laughs> That sounds not, I just think, thinking of like, you know, a teacher standing there and saying, have you thought about this? You know, taking the time. And I know they do. It's nice hearing that, that the guy is standing there saying, oh, right, you know, head yeah. to this and build it like this and you'll be able to. They're brilliant teachers, man. They really got, they pushed people, especially like what well, Owain ran the course. Um, Yuan, it's Wales, isn't it? Yuan was like the painting guy. Um, oh God, I don't remember everyone's name. I can't remember anyone else. But they, they were kind of like the main guys and they were re- they really, they had like a really good work effort. That's brilliant, man. They really pushed us. Inspiring. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they were practicing artists as well. So That's inspired. wicked. They were really good. Um, but yeah, that kind of like fired us on for... Fashion. Manchester and fashion and like, I just, yeah, just kind of got on with it. And it was a great time to be in Manchester, you know? Really like, you know, the city was... What, you know, what year was that? have to look at my notes isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that was 2004 to 2007 wow so if you put that in the context of what was you know going on in manchester at the time yeah. it's a pretty lively place yeah it was uh you know we'd we'd go to you know some some weekends we'd be like because you walk around we'd go like three house parties in a night just from walking down different streets because all the students we lived on one road oxford road in that's half out of the yeah. city centre. I love Manchester, man. It's like 60, 70,000 students pretty much on one road. 
I love that city. Yeah. My mate, I've got mates of mine in Stoke on Trent. And so my mate Andy Cook, amazing designer, amazing. He's somewhere in the world right now, God knows where. But um, yeah, he was my introduction to coming up there. And I, fu I fucking love that city, man. When was that? So that was, uh, it, basically he started Rare Kind Manchester in maybe 2010, right. 11. That was my first introduction. One to having real northerner friends. I hadn't had any real northerner friends probably. <laughs> and two, just like visiting that. I love Stoke as well, man. I love Stoke yeah. and Trent. My like, boy Rob up there and they're killing it. They're, I love that place, man. Like, they're pushing a real creative hub. But yeah, Manchester's just gorgeous. It's live, man. And the the city, look of it, like... I fell in love with it. I still love that. I still love that town. I love the way that they build there and... The architecture's got, immense. It's, it's beautiful. But they're, they're like not afraid of the new, which is amazing. No. Nope. And they kind of really balance like that against that backdrop of hard yeah. red, but really beautiful uh, Victorian stuff. Man, those buildings. So that's what I sort of fell in love with my first building. Yeah. <laughs> it, I'm not surprised, yeah, man. Like, there's, um, there's a street there. Andy walked me down it. I think it's cobbled. It's red brick on either side. And they filmed a lot of one of the Batman films there. Yeah. Because it was yeah. literally, it's Gotham. It's, but mate, there's bits of that that look more like New York than New York yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You look, you look to your left on an alleyway and it's got the fire escape, like yeah. the outdoor fire escape, the railings in this. Down, like, Dale Street. Like, the oh man, I, I love that place, man. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah, we used to go, we we, we, man, we explored that city. We used to go to raves just on the outskirts. There's one uh, hospital that used to get turned over a few times and like, it was one of them where you'd meet at the, you'd get a little flyer from the head shop yes. in town, you know, like when, yeah. when everyone else buying their mushrooms, you'd be like, what's that little, yeah. little bit of paper with a phone number and then you like, you'd go down to South Manchester and meet a, you know, white, Ford Escort by outside the cinema. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty people would follow the car down the motorway on the hard shoulder, and then like, oh. and then we'd end up in this abandoned hospital. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's fun, man. It's a good time to be in Manchester. Amazing, really good. And like, Matt, like stuff. Yeah, stuff was going on as well. Like Manchester was going through its troubles. Really, then that was kind of like the Gunchester sort of times, mm -hmm. and the police were everywhere man like really heavy handed like they were trying to clean it all up man well it'd been Gunchester for fucking 15-20 years yeah it'd been militant yeah. and like the police yeah I remember just like and they just had really hard I think it mainly for the student sort of populist protection really but mm. they would just shut down house parties you know yeah yeah big time big time like the undercover units would just roll up smash the bottom windows CS gas clear everyone out and be like don't come back tonight don't do this yeah stop it because it's not safe and it wasn't so quite a few times like at the parties would go would get go rushed like, yeah 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 and it was hectic yeah well, mate we were like live because students were li living in like you know two three streets from from moss side or mm. or whatever and you know having parties yeah exactly it's gonna happen isn't it? it's a room <laughs> full of rich pickings right there man yeah Especially yeah. for a load of kids that are just suffering and not seeing any light anywhere. The fuck you partying for in my fucking manner. I love yeah, that. I love you, that. I love you, that. But still, um, yeah. an amazing city. Wicked. Beautiful spot. It. What did you do after then? Did you stay when you finished? Or? Um, I had a 
there was a point that they used to put this uh, note up in Man. I had really good time in Manchester, don't get me wrong, like mm. brilliant, brilliant tutors and was really blessed. Like visiting lecturers kind of like there's a thing where, you know, yep. people come and do like a day a week for a month or whatever. And they got really good people in brilliant. Like, and met some really interesting people. So I was like fully like, yeah, this is what I kind of want to do. But they they put this like a bit of paper up on a notice board that sort of had a list of what people were up to that that we'd known that had just graduated kind right, of thing. Okay. People weren't really up to much. Mm. People were doing stuff, but I remember seeing like the list getting smaller and smaller kind of thing. Oh, I thought, shit. I need, I'm like, I know I need to get a job because I'd all worked from really young, innit? Yeah. So I was like, I need to get a job, but I'm probably not going to get one off the back of this. So like next avenue was Manchester had a really good sort of relationship with Royal College and it was always talked about Royal College of Art. Yeah. Um, so I just went down like, I guess like towards the beginning of my third year at Manchester, I went down at an open day and just met Ike Rust who, who ran it. Who's a big, big guy, he's like six foot eight, I think, big lad. Okay, no. Real like presence. Yeah. Um, met him and then saw the studios and was just like, I've got be here like, I've got to be in this room I've got to like got to do this um, and then got an interview and yeah ended up getting a place but this was all why I'm why you're trying to do your final show at in Manchester in Manchester yeah. um, which was good because I think because of the timing I like put loads of work into that and then I'd finished all my portfolio and stuff really early and then got to really go into my collection like I went wow making all these clothes for the final pieces final show yeah yeah just like a big old collection and then the process was the other we had a show in manchester and then they picked a bunch of people to do a show in london at graduate fashion week so i got through to that and then wow. got like picked for the gala at the show which was pretty good um so it did all right like yeah that. man it got it worked people felt the work yeah yeah people were into it and like even with yeah <laughs> I remember that. I remember going out to my mate Chris's after thanking for that. I do thank him a lot, but I did it again. He was like, I didn't want to use any music. And the tutor's like, you can't use, like, you need to come up with some weird music because my collection was dead weird. Like, you need some weird music for the show in London. So I was like, right, okay. Went around to my mate Chris's and, like, basically forced him to make me a beat. Yes. Like, he was, like, really ill as well. It was like a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I was like, come on, we've got like a couple of hours. I like, can't just put just the computer do, you on. Can do it. Like, put logic on, get some of them sirens on. <laughs> and then like, I can't really remember the tune at all, really. But yeah, he did it. And then I remember when he exported the farm, put it, put it on a disc for me. He called it, you ruined my Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's like, sorry, mate. Jeez, Chris, that's brilliant, man. And then, yeah. And then that, yes, that kind of happened. And that point, I kind of knew I was going to Royal College. So I was pretty like, pretty happy i bet man yeah so what was it you got out of what did you was that a master's then you'd be doing at world college yeah wow the menswear and that's why i went because like i had this battle the whole time i was at manchester where like fashion is gen generally not always but generally taught through the medium of women's work you know all the, a lot of the pretty much all of the pattern cutting books and the textbooks are all yeah. women's wear based and i immediately was like nah i don't want to do women's wear I want to do menswear and I want mm. to do sportswear and I want it I, want, I know what I want to make mm. 
So I just did it anyway. I just did menswear, just make the shapes different and stuff. Wicked. Like, like, and when I, you know, learned about Royal College and that they were the only place that did a strictly menswear taught postgraduate course, I was like, I've this got, has to be I've it. Got to go. So to were go. you kind of teaching yourself then when you were like at uni doing these? I'm not saying cuts. I like didn't go to the classes and stuff. No, no, I don't. But I don't like, I did, yeah, a bit. But to kind of like, no, but I'm not, I don't want to use these books that have just got these patterns in them. Yeah, but you could, yeah, but like so I had to, to kind of like pick, I had to pick smartly otherwise I knew I I'd could, miss out. I, I bet, had to like man. apply it yeah, to what I wanted I bet to you've do really had to like. Sort of convert it a bit. And wow. Whilst learning. But um, I think the Art Foundation really helped because it was like, we made a lot of stuff in it. We were really pushed to make things early on. So, so like you making were, is, I was, it was all a bit maybe a bit better at that. I don't we were know. never scared of it either. So no. yeah, it was like this yeah. is a task I can yeah get to the end of it somehow. Yeah, and figure out that's sick, man. So yeah. getting into Royal College, you moved to London then. Yeah, uh, where did he live first? I think we would. G came with us actually, or he yeah, was already he. there, and then he was doing like a law thing in in town. Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, so we got a house in Camberwell. Yeah. Um, and I met, yeah, there's like a bunch of us. It ended up being a real mad house. Like, G was the only, my missus at the time, Jane lived with us. It was, um, uh, Zoe Donald, who was at Royal College with me, Liam Evans, who's, was at Royal College with us, G, he was doing law, innit? And all these, like, fucking art kids. <laughs> And the house is a mess, man. It was funny. It was so funny. I remember we actually came to Acton once to buy some decks as well. Yeah. Yeah, so we had little decks. And then at that time, me and G were like, mate, we were just all over music. We were going to like mass to see like goth trad and stuff and like forward at Plastician yeah. and Plastic People and just really into that whole thing. Just doing bits and yeah, trying to get out as much as we could. In nice. between studies and stuff um yeah and i guess that was kind of like yeah that's camberwell and then moved around a bit moved to hammersmith because it was closer to kensington where all college was um i remember like that sort of period getting st i think i got stopped like three times on the anti-terrorism act yeah yeah okay no I was I had like this funny phase of wearing like really long kaftan shirts, having a bald head and a beard. Oh, is it? And it kind of like, I remember once walking through Hyde Park and uh, it's near the household cavalry barracks, isn't it? And I had like my, all my stuff to go to college. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, and it's like police car stopped and pointed, pointed a, like, a gun at us and stuff. And that all happened, and it happened before, and so I was like, not really phased. But then the reason I remember that's the guy after it all, you know, and they realised I wasn't going to blow myself up or whatever. The one of the coppers was like, "Oh, there's a there's a Ben Sherman sample sale on today in North London. You should go up there and get some normal clothes." <laughs> Cheeky I was like, bastard! I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Mate, Cheers. I've been stopped twice, <laughs> um, at both times at Victoria Station. And both times I had guns put in my back whilst going through the barriers and they strip searched me on the fucking concourse. The, the one that leads down into the tubes. I was walking down into the tubes and both times I've been pulled back. The first time I had my iPod in my bag, which was stupid. The cable was coming out of my bag yeah. into my ears and literally just get down. Felt two things in my, literally both sides of my ribs and my back. 
Jeez. I went to my knees and then they dragged me into the concourse and literally just took all my clothes off me, left my boxers on, but took all my clothes off. And my, the second time I did it, Jimmy's sister saw me. I'm standing surrounded by police. My trousers down my ankles. I'm hold, like got my boxers on and that's it. I think I might be holding my T-shirt up, right? And I'm surrounded by police and Katie just comes along and like puts her head through the... David, are you all right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be all right in a minute. Unbelievable, Mad. man. They when was over. that then? Was that, that was around the time of all this shit going off and stuff yeah. and all that type of shit. And yeah, it was um, in that kind of time. like It's probably around the same time. Yeah, I mean, that was like 2007, 2009 sort okay, of yeah. Oh, yeah. 08, 09, yeah. It's exactly when it was. Yeah, yeah, that sort of, yeah. I mean, that, and then like, didn't really see a lot of London, to be honest, in that, in those two years. Really, apart from like the, you know, going out a bit to like the odd thing. We'd have to, you know, we'd plan it and sort of go. Was the course for London? Yeah, man. Full on. Yeah, but I loved it. it and was, fully, you know, I was literally about to say, and fully enjoyable. Yeah. It didn't matter. No, I was lost. It's yeah. like just in that, in that bubble really and it was yeah brilliant got just did great stuff did like an umbro project really uh, like on um which i loved sort of just that interaction and then with them yeah yeah like they'd with come they come and done a project like brief the project and like um and every and everyone did it in like menswear and womenswear mm -hmm. and i think product design as well and then they took a load of um students up to Manchester I didn't get picked like you know the the good ones up to Manchester and yeah. then offered them all placements for the summer so it was like the first year of the MA none of them wanted a placement none of them were like they were like it's, too, it's not good enough for us kind of thing I was like what so like is there a, so there's a placement going to Umbro yeah let's go <laughs> like, that's just, my shit I was like, just there like, yeah me like just got like they just, just turned their nose up at it yeah a few, a few okay. people did. They were just like, whatever, fair fine. enough. But worked, style. worked out, in it. Yeah. So I like jumped at that. So I went back up to Manchester for the summer at Royal College. Lived in student halls. Worked over there. Worked at Umbro. Met some amazing people. Wow. That I'm still in touch with. I'm still bumping into, and we're still like all in the business and like real good people. Like Dan, who's over at Nike doing football. We designed the Nigeria kit. Yeah. Although, like, their people will tell you they designed it, but okay. it was definitely done. It was done. <laughs> Sick. Gone done. Like, uh, Rosamond and that uh, Daryl, um, just like good people, do you know what I mean? And like, saw some really amazing, because it's Manchester, isn't it? And Northern, just, just like, Northerners are, I love anyone, I'm probably a bit of a Northerner, but like, I love the humour. And I remember, like, the accessory, a lot of the accessories of guys, when they had like a deadline, that like, to bash out a load of bags for like Matalan or whatever. <laughs> They'd get the Argos catalogue out and just trace over the Hoovers and put straps on for rucksack. <laughs> I was just like, you lot, like, are so smart because they all look like rucksacks. Like <laughs> sick rucksacks. Just like, just bits like that. And then. Brilliant. I remember getting. Oh, we shouldn't even say it. I remember, like, it was just an internship and I was cleaning out cupboards and doing all that stuff. And yeah. I was really wanting to do some design work. And then they got really busy and that, someone had to, like, like, basically designed a whole load of swim shorts for Matalan. And they were like, Lou, can you use Illustrator? I'd, I'd Photoshop was all right with it. Yeah. Never even turned Illustrator on. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, got you. Yeah, I got this, don't worry. Like four days later. Yeah, still struggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nearly there. Yeah, I'm nearly there. <laughs> like, I did these like 12 pairs of shorts or whatever. I don't even know if they got made, but that was, yeah, that was kind of like... Nice experience to get to do, man. 
Yeah, and like saw a lot of the whole process and that and did a good job there and like enjoyed it. And at that time, uh, Umbro had been bought by Nike, so there were a lot of them floating about and right. that. And um, went back to Royal College, you know, final year, was like on that. I remember getting a call from someone called Mandy, yeah. who was like kind of head of operations for Nike because they'd just bought Umbro and was doing a lot of stuff. And she just called me up and was like, do you want a job? What? At Umbro. So there's a whole new big thing going on. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm at college, isn't it? Yeah. Doing, and I was like, I'm not, not walking away from yeah, this. I'm not ready yet. I'm, yeah. in, I'm like halfway in. And like, didn't really think too much of that. And then did, you know, did the whole master's thing. And then it ends with five shows over two days in the Royal College. So it's the same collection, same same show, yeah. but it's put on five times. I think I was backstage at like the end of the first day, just like packing everything down. And I got a call from his PA anyway, the guy that was like creative director at Umbro at the time. His PA rang me and was like, uh, like he wants to talk to you, but he wants to say something to me. He wants me to say something to you before I put, it, put you on to him. She just said a figure down the phone. I was like, oh. The fuck? <laughs> and then, and then he was like, "Yeah, Gillian." Um, I can remember his PA, but I can't remember his name. He was like, "Did Gillian take?" And I was like, "Yeah." Was like, I'm, I'm coming to the final show, the gala show at the end tomorrow. Let's like meet up, talk about it. I was like, "All right, cool." And was like, "Do not want to go work for anyone. Like, I just want to be free after this." Yeah. Um, kind of put it off, but then ended up freelancing for like a good few months for Umbro after I graduated. So they, even though you didn't take the job, they were cool with you doing that? Yeah, because I like wanted to be in London and kind of sold it like, you need, you know, I know Manchester, the home of Umbro, but you know, you've got to have links and stuff and yeah. they were kind of cool with it. And then it just got long traveling up and down. I was sort of technically homeless-ish at that time, like living on G's sofa and right. it was really long and, I was spending half the week, I was staying in a hostel in like an eight, eight Bed, room, hot, yeah. room type thing. Up in Manchester. Like, was really broke because obviously the masters ruined me and I'd lent money off everyone I knew. So I was paying that back with the Umbro money and then mm. uh, selling everything I owned on Brit Lane on Sundays. Fucking hell. And like, just, but enjoy, it was a good time, man. It was, it was tough, but it kind of, it kind of, it was like this survival thing as well. Did you know you were on a path still? Yeah. You knew that it was just part of it. in the right direction. Yeah, it was just part of it. I didn't mind either. I yeah. kind of enjoyed it. It's quite nice. It's quite a nice break. Man, I just, I'd just come out of education. Yeah. Like, I've been in education until that point. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Just fucking hundreds of years. I'm on years Lane ago. on a Sunday yeah, exactly, yeah. Converse trainers. Yeah, that's like, fine. And just kind of enjoying being no. your own sort of, not boss, but like, you know, in charge yeah. a bit. And then decided that it was just getting long and I really wanted a flat, like somewhere to live. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, asked them again if I could have a job at Umbro and they, they cut the money a bit. But Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, you did take the first one. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then ended up, um, yeah, like working there. And it was an amazing time when, you know. So you went back up there? Yeah, moved, yeah. got a little flat in Manchester and was there full time. And they were kind of doing this whole like, you know, Umbro football, technical football brand, and they were doing this whole 
like drive into fashion and new markets and new collections and stuff. So there was a lot of like things getting figured out. Wicked. It's a really good time and there's a lot Fun of really time good to be people. in there. Met really good people again, like Stephen and work Stephen Campbell, who went on to do like mad stuff. He's at Young Turks now and mm. like just wicked people and great times. It was a World Cup as well, man. And we had this like big studio in the Northern Court and we had all these parties in there and it's just a lot, a lot of fun, and we designed a lot of stuff. We were really getting in. I was really getting into the sort of. It's that kind of time where you could kind of pitch ideas mm. in within the, the brand a bit. Mm. It was kind of like a lot of. Like, you had that freedom to thinking, be creative like, and you, think. What yeah. about this as a concept? Yeah. We kind of started really getting into like the beginnings of football and mm. like the Happy Pirates and all this like old, old, old like you know some of the first football kits that were ever made or like and reading up about how like guys would all wear just dress shirts with the collars off and like yeah. how the kits kind of evolved from all of that and that was really interesting. and then you know trying to sort of partner that with what happened during the war with Umbro giving up their production to the the, the war sort of effort and yeah making shirts for the RAF and trying Never to like carve that, this yeah sort of genuine sort of collection they could have done that yeah. would have been really interesting because they were involved in it um, and then I left, kind of left in a hurry, um, sort of had a bit of a, I think I just kind of burnt out. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a real kind of time where I realized that I can't work. I couldn't work forever in a job like that. Yeah. Brilliant experience. Yeah. Invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. So I legged it back to London. <laughs> yeah, but you take all that experience and go. You're like, yeah. no, you know what? This isn't me. Right? Yeah, got to travel as well, man. We're going out to Istanbul and stuff. Oh, we? Yeah. Product to factories and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is wicked. I remember going, uh, I think the first time I went to Istanbul was like day after like my birthday. Sick. And they sent us a car, but I was like, I've been up all night. Isn't it? <laughs> like, flying out to Istanbul and then <laughs> working really hard for a week on that. Uh, they were really good times and then they yeah, went to London and worked, did a season for Carrie cassette player oh yeah so really, I'd always loved to work yeah like big up to Carrie like just the whole time I was a student it was just like yes it was that time and everything was neon yeah she was you know super super Tim and Barry yeah I haven't even touched on Tim and Barry man like such a big part of like everything I remember w watching that um little video they've got where they got they did they were involved in the uh, Jean-Charles de Castlebajac re retrospective uh -huh. where he like lent them their old archive and they went and shot it on like jammer in the woods and like it's just I remember seeing that video and I was um, I guess like on my masters in like probably 2010 kind of time no was it no it wouldn't have been earlier now it was like 2008 so Tim and Barry had their channels by then they're still Thanks. like this is it yeah they, they wow. some early stuff yeah they? yeah yeah um if it weren't a channel, they were just putting out content either way. Yeah. yeah. And then that, like, they ended up being in my work, basically. I remember I did, um, it was a Devilman video that they did. And they went up to Birmingham and filmed him. And he just, like, performed in front of a bed sheet hung up in, in what looked like his bed sit. Yeah. And I freeze-framed, like, every other second and made, <coughs> got this big repeat print made and, like, made shirts and stuff out of it. And then put a load of their 
other imagery like into digitally printed denim and stuff wow for Royal College because like it was really like just loved their whole like mad vibe and, and ethos yeah the, the angles that they went at things yeah the lights they shone loved it yeah loved it um yeah that was really big and then like the whole curry thing like years later like recently actually they we sort of got mutual friends and they wanted some merch Dean for their recent Barbican gig I was like yes I'm on it yeah I was like they're like do you, what, what do you want to meet up and it took a little while to organise like I'll just come to the studio I've got some stuff I want to show you so like we talked about the merch you know did some teas and stuff yeah. and some bits and talked about some other things that we haven't done yet and then I was like I want to show you some bits and I was really like hesitant I was like what if they get what if like, I've nicked their stuff <laughs> and put it on garments like, what's going to happen uh, and they loved it they like got this shirt and this big bit of fabric with devil man all over like little tiny devil man yeah. like a kind of freeze frame thing and they were like whoa you know he's playing at the Barbican this show we're doing we haven't got any visuals for him and I was like yeah and and they're like Tim gets Barry gets a camera out and starts pointing at the fabric he's like look it looks amazing this is yes. going to go in the show and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> like, mind completely blown that is full like, circle business right there new shape like yeah whole, completely like, whole like it was nuts it was nuts and then going to that gig it was earlier it was the end of last year and just, yeah it was just a madness I like tried to film it but like I'm just screaming through the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> it was just yeah it was, it was a lot um, but that was yeah that was the thing so back in London and working with cassette player, what, you just assisting or? I did a season for her. So we had kind of met really briefly because she did a little, some, she was, I think, going to do some projects with Umbro. And mm -hmm. then um, I just really wanted to like work with her. Yeah. And I was like going back to London. So I had a little meet and she, it was a really good time because she uh, just signed up to do a collection, like a full collection and catwalk show with the BFC mm. so she needed some help and um jumped on that and like was kind of just in her studio like doing whatever she needed and like did a lot stitched a lot of that collection wicked. and like that was wicked and got to see like all the spots she had stuff made in London and wow you know got on a whole other layer of loads of rooms stuff. basically with shit yeah. being made and put together and yeah, and met again, met some really good people. Met Dom, who I ended up living with years later, and mm. loads of, yeah, loads of bods. Um, what was the plan then? Didn't really have one. She no. couldn't afford to keep me on. Um, and I just sort of got by for a bit. Mm. And then thought, who do I know that might be in London or might be able to give me a job? So I rang a woman I knew at, at Umbro. Sarah Howitson was like, what's going on? Have you got anything? Like, what are you working on? And it's mad because like a week before she'd taken a job as creative director at Head <laughs> and was sat on her own in an office about to build a design e-commerce and marketing team. Shut up. So I was like, went in, she told me the project and I was like, like, whoa. Like, yeah. like Head, tennis rack, you know all those tennis yeah. bags? Like yeah, that. yeah. But they're like a massive company and they do like everything yeah so we were gonna the owner wanted um he kept saying this guy johan eliash who's um this like billionaire 
oil money guy. Sounds like it. Yeah. It was a hobby for him. I bet. And he wanted it to be like the Prada of skiing. Okay. And he gave, we gave it a good go. Yeah. But it kind of <laughs> like, you know, it's a very political thing that owner of a company tries to change this yeah. big old thing around. For his um, own visions. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, we cracked on with it anyway. And like, it was a, it was brilliant, really amazing time. Like, just, you know, lots of rebranding of stuff and like learning to kind of like the high, the high level of kind of design, like the, the, the stuff I'd never really done, like branding and mm-hmm. sort of art direction and, and um, like, like the, not designed by committee, but the kind of like the collect, you know, the collective, like, yeah, the collective thought on a piece rather than just, yeah. this is a thing I'm making it. Yeah. 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 It. yeah. It's kind of like, well, does this fit your, you know, sales report and like yeah. that whole sort of thing was really involved in didn't get to do much design there's a lot of meetings and a lot i mean at that time i was spending like half of every month like away so being like they were based in austria so we'd fly to switzerland go to austria northern italy germany a lot you know in and out of driving man we were about and then doing these big old trips to asia like every now and again, we'd go to China, to China and do the whole like, interior and then ended up Fucking in Hong Kong, hell. Indonesia, Shanghai and that. Yeah. Like Looking at materials and checking factories. Briefing product. Yeah. Being in, that was sick. Loved like sitting across the table with like a load of people you can't understand, you know, you've got no shared language apart yeah. from drawing and briefing product. Fucking hell. And stuff. That what was like. Mad experiences. More. Mental mental like really mental um and then yeah doing all like the sales events and stuff and that's when i met ben cottrell who's uh half of cottweiler with matt and uh uh he came from oswald botang and like he was like second in the door after me kind of thing yeah we just got on like wicked it was wicked that whole time was like great you know what I mean? We were in a little base fair in Ma- basement in Mayfair. I was going to say was designs it, yeah. and stuff, and like, yeah, we we just yeah we just got on, and it just made it like a lot of fun, you know. And we worked we worked pretty hard. What a fucking yeah. slip in the door there, man! Like, yeah, and then I don't know what I, I think. Like towards the end of it, I think I just sort of. I don't remember thinking I need to leave because this whole thing's gonna like sort of evaporate I think I just had enough um so I like resigned but stayed on as like a freelancer so I was doing a couple of days a week and I remember being in there and um they just made everybody redundant they just got rid of everybody in one afternoon shit it was really sad man because I'd been you know we'd been there I mean I like Wonga Lucy is now at Rafa product developer I remember like interviewing her you know man and like yeah it was really sad the whole project kind of fell apart i think what it was is that the law changed on uh c- c- owners of companies can get because the company was listed in europe not yeah. in britain they can get um legally held responsible for um moving companies in different directions that are against the board or so there was some wow. change and basically yeah. he lost control it wasn't working for him and it and it, yeah he pulled out and like 
How long did you do that for? Like two years or something? I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. about that. About two long years. enough for it to really take an effect, like on people. Yeah, yeah. Man, and like we did a we did a few collections. You mm. know what I mean, we passed them out. We were doing ski wear and tennis wear. Crazy yeah. man. And at that time, I'd done since 2012. I did the kit for the Belize Olympic team. Just yeah. off my own back. How? Met my girlfriend at the time worked in in Soho in sales, and the guy who had the office above us smoked. She smoked, and mm. uh, uh, they uh, ended up just chatting. And she mentioned I designed sportswear, and he was like, "Well, I'm head of the Belize Olympic Committee, and we need a kit." What? So I ended up doing that. That was that was so good. Man. That's like, amazing. Yeah, it was a real like fun thing, and I yeah. used to use some of the contacts through. I had to get it made and then did you get to go there? I didn't go to Belize no. but I ended up going to loads of mad like dinners and stuff yeah like, the Belizean Prime Minister came over and did a charity event and we were getting a ticket and sitting like sitting next to Rudy who's like was head of investment at UBS Bank and like Jeff Banks and like these people fucking like, hell like why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> I just drew the kit <laughs> like but that was that was really like that was a really like fun. By that time, though, the portfolio must be super strong. Like the body yeah. of works you've produced by that point. Yeah, and I, yeah, but I kind of like I've never been. I'd never like obviously because I just said I'd, I'd never done the like portfolio to get a job thing. No, but I've, yeah. whether it was to show or not, I haven't seen much of your work at all. Yeah. But I can. I can probably swear with my heart and my heart and see that you're a super talented guy and that you should be just signed off on the idea and run with it. It's like that. You, Everything you're saying, it's just like pro, pro, pro. You're not saying you're a pro. It's just like, yeah, you know exactly what you're fucking talking yeah, about. You don't need a portfolio in those instances. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's a doer, you, isn't it? You've got, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just talking more sort of doing yeah. has always been, yeah. been my kind of attitude. I do remember at that sort of time after I had going to a few agencies when they still existed. Mm. Fascinated, do you know what I mean? Fascinated before like LinkedIn really like <laughs> changed the game. Yeah. And I remember going in my portfolio and it was at that time I just, I remember the latest project I did, it was, was the Olympic thing. I remember yeah. going in they always used to do this thing where they take your portfolio in the back room and either photocopy some pages to probably send to a mate yeah, or for their files. And I remember hearing everybody laughing in, in the office at this uh, unnamed, now not existing agency. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, cool. I heard it, put my portfolio back in the bag. I'm like, out. Dead. Yeah, like, cool. Done. Yeah. Never got an email off them, never emailed them. No. But like that whole... Yeah, and that's when my re- like, I mean, I was always even from back in uni, I was talking about the women's wear thing. Like, yeah. I always had a thing against fashion, and mm. that really, so that and some other like sort of. It's those type of instances. You're just like, fuck you, fuck people, them. man. Come yeah, on, man. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. And also seeing, and I don't want to get into trouble, but like seeing the way that like the big bodies within fashion treat new designers. Mm. friends you know and, and the, at that time getting on their thing mm. and breaking into certain stuff the way they get treated and the way that the biz, the deals work yeah not right no nah. not it's right bad. it's a bad situation and so they're, are they they're not left now then or just the strong ones survived nah, they just keep going man yeah yeah because they're talented motherfuckers in it and they just do their thing it's but it's the way they kind of like certain entities prey on the and use new designers to make mm. them look and be current because without yeah. them they're nothing yeah 
but it's the way like they don't really nurture and support really <coughs> they're chucked in the back room you sit back there we'll look fresh up here with your work yeah yeah it's a lot of that we'll bring you up soon don't worry we've got you don't worry we're yeah. a great team look at us we're shining up here yeah <laughs> there's a lot of that and it was a bit like you know so never really like at that point didn't want to go into the industry and like it was the recession as well yeah do you know what I mean so it's kind of like well, cutthroat as well at that time but do you know what as well like I thought about and like cycling was a thing I remember reading this thing like it was a recession everyone in London was buying bikes mm. because they couldn't afford you know everyone was just afraid of you know not having any money so got on that and did a, there were a whole load it was a map did a whole load of like freelancing for startup cycle sportswear brands yeah couple. yeah so got, got us through and then ended up getting a job freelance gig at Wiggle they're like sports directors like so that kind of got us through and then did I just went into teaching I went and taught wow at, at degree level wow did a bit of VL and then did like two did three terms at Middlesex University you taught there yeah what did your dad think of that do not really ask him really like I yeah, probably. I mean, it was always there. I even even when I was at Umbro back in the day, I went and did a little bit at Manchester. Mm. Always knew I wanted to teach. Okay. Always knew like I, I wanted to do it because even when I was a kid, my parents had money. They used to run like like summer schools. Do you know what I mean? Like painting classes. And yeah. That kind of stuff. So I was always around it. Really. You young. grew up with it. You knew how accessible it was and easy to do those things. Just, arts. I mean, the sympathy of. Painting a class, not like holding a class, but yeah. Yeah, but like the things. creative education thing as well. Yeah. I thought it was, and then yeah, and then did did the Middlesex. Thing. So what did you teach there? Fashion. Fashion, yeah. Was it all fashion, like or? Yeah, well then yeah. I did. Um, also did uh, was at Rochester, mm. um, and they their course was an atelier course. Mm -hmm. So I did a bit there, and that's a diff whole different vibe. Amazing. Explain like, that. So. The idea is that with the with the degree, the Tilia degree, is that it's more, it's kind of like more vocational. Like you don't until you get to the the very end of your degree and you're working on your final project, you don't do anything creative. You just learn. Wow. So I mean, like you just learn hand pin. You don't get to use like a whole bunch of stuff they use in fashion, like glues and etc. and and jerseys you learn how to do everything with your hand wow to a couture level finish jesus so yeah. was that three years of it yeah it's wow. a three-year degree so then you get to like yeah like yeah yeah okay. it's your final year and then you get to do creative projects so it's so refreshing teaching these kids you get there and they're like like none of those airs and graces of like oh i just collect mood boards and like, yeah. don't actually make anything it's the complete other way around yeah. where they're like what well, i can now like do what i want and like and I know all of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. So I'd like go in there and like, I was basically sort of chip said, like it brought us in to kind of just stir people up. Do I mean? Get them excited and get them like creative for the sort of first time. And that was a really amazing. That's when I met Holly. He's like been at Tottenham Textiles since Dot really. Mm. So she was, she was on that course and just the stuff she's making. I was like, so you came in at the creative stage, yeah, to yeah. just kind of blow their minds. Like, you've got all these skills now. Yeah. Look what you can Pushed do with them. them yeah, like, let's go. What yeah. have you got in your brain? How mental can you go? Like, Sick, yeah. man. Yeah, that was really amazing. I bet that was super rewarding, man. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, really amazing place. I mean, it's like, yeah. Good colleagues as well? 
Yeah, like a good mate, um, Mylena, I'd worked with her at um, Middlesex was in there. So that was my kind of in and we got to hang out and she's cool. Wicked. So that was really like fun. Uh, but like all unis now, I think they're quite, it's quite difficult sort of environment. I'd hate to be in the education system, man. Any stage of it. This yeah. Unis now uh, like being a service. Yeah. They're not... It, they can't throw people off, which no, is really it's bad. disgusting. They need the money. But what it does is they give, they're giving everyone, they give a whole bunch of people a third or a 2-2 mm. and then the, the poor fucking kids that bust their ass for a first at that uni, just, it's not worth anything because there are droves of people just going through the system. Because you, if you can pay for it, you can have it, basically, is the point now. And... Mm-hmm. It... it <laughs> Oh god, it makes me sick, man. Yeah, it's it's a business. It's man. really fucking sad. It is, and I yeah, it's. I it feel is. sorry for all teachers. Like, yeah, I, I know it's not their fault. Like yeah. on any level, I know it's not their fault. I know they're just having to adhere and keep a job and pay their mortgages and shit. But yeah, but there are like there is a there is also a kind of like an element of, um, it is it can be quite an easy gig. Yeah, where people that- like who haven't done it of taught and yeah. I hate that phrase of like if you can't do teach yeah. I hate it. it but it does kind of exist a bit it's, it's inevitable that it's going to exist yeah. there's going to be people like you that can come in and drop this loads of inspiration and then go off and do your thing yeah. and then there's some people that, but, but part of it is having the balls yeah to, and I think it's the system like the size of the system as well isn't it if you, because you I don't know you need more more staff because you're making more and more money and yeah. it's kind of like well, if it was a bit leaner hmm. if it wasn't what it was yeah, yeah. If it, that's <laughs> it if it just wasn't what it was they just got it wrong and it's just like look we know you're wrong yeah. we know you're wrong cool yeah. <laughs> what happened after education is this the lead up to this is Tottenham Textiles isn't it I think I then had like a couple of, I had like a bit tight had some time off I think I lasted like a month or three weeks of not really doing anything chapter three creativity Louis has learned a lot over the years and moving to London he starts to put himself in position to go at it alone. He's made load of contacts and connections over the years which he'll put to use and he tells us how he put Tottenham Textiles together, what he gets up to there and a couple of projects he's worked on and what he's currently working on. Where are you living? I was living in Stamford Hill. Okay, yeah. With Dom mm-hmm. uh, in a warehouse. Nice. Um, yeah, it was cool man. It was a, it was a good time. Um, but I needed something. And I was very like up in the air and like didn't know what I was doing. And then I remember Marlena, who I worked at the, on the Atelier course with, just rang me up and was like, she's got a load of warehouses on Tottenham. Mm. So not only she's got a fashion brand, but she's got, she runs all these warehouses. <laughs> she's a dom, basically. Yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> um, so she had um, a new space and she was like, why don't you come have a look? You said, you know, you've always sort of said you're looking for my, into studio space or whatever. I uh, went and looked and walked into what's now Tottenham Textiles and like the whole building was incredible. Mm. But just, yeah, I was just like, yeah, just took it. Didn't Did you really not know what I was going to do with it. Did started doing it up and then it all kind of sort of started falling into place. Memories of like working at Head and not having uh, like a technical atelier place. Somewhere you could get like high-end samples done yeah. in London. We had to go to Zurich for our stuff. So it was kind of like, well... Could I fulfil that? Could we do it? Could this be the start of like doing that? Which I'd always kind of thought, but never really like actioned it. 
Um, the, yeah. The idea, so what, what started coming into play and like getting this space and that, the ideas you put into play, it wasn't really a plan, but it was like, you'd had these thoughts and notions over the years. Yeah. And then this space turns up and you're like, oh, hang on, maybe I could think about them a bit more. Yeah, and I was really into pull them out a bit. It was a derelict, man. Yeah, it was derelict. She gave us it for a month for free to do up, and I really enjoyed doing it up. Yeah. I was grafting. Do mm. you know what I mean? I was like, you know, a little bit labouring as well at the same time, and I was mm-hmm. just really enjoying that element mm. and kind of like it's on YouTube looking up how to do plumbing and stuff. Wicked, like that kind of. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, just sort of got on with it, like. So you, what did you get first? Like, what was? I would had a sewing machine. I had a, I've had an industrial sewing machine since I was like uh, about seventeen. Okay. Shouts to Jackie who gave it to me. Jackie Anton, Miss Jackie's mom. Yes, Bill. Um, yeah, that was an amazing present. Still got it. Still my machine. Brilliant. So I had that, and then which I've which has travelled everywhere with me. Really, yeah. I've just been about, and then God, the machines we got. Um, I just went in, just sort of took out a little really small loan and sort of started buying little bits but to do what like to start this high-end stuff. stuff yeah so or just, just make, making just making really so yeah it was like i knew i wasn't gonna just suddenly fill this derelict dusty space no. and be making like yeah really beautiful clothes <laughs> i kind of knew that we'd have to like just print t-shirts or whatever like just, yeah just didn't really know what the products would make um but it's good space yeah. nice light let's go yeah and like at the time i had I'd, I'd been obviously still nurturing the freelance things i was doing little bits of freelance to kind of pay for everything at the time and um that was kind of bolstering it really yeah. so really for the first year i was just freelance with loads of overheads yeah i'm spending every penny i had on ebay lots yeah. and printing equipment and convincing g to drive me up to glasgow <laughs> to buy like an entire print shop that we couldn't fit all of it in the van and then it started snowing and we were like, God, get the fuck back to London. Like just oh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then selling all of it and yeah. like just sort of buying and selling printing equipment. And then met Dave who I've done like, a, a, we're doing a bigger project in the future through eBay and like start meeting all these sort of printers and working with Pete who's got out of uh, a place over at PhotoFit in mm. Old Street for like years he's been screen printing for 20 years met him back when I was working for Carrie but like at that time really like getting starting doing all his artworks and like our relationship got sort of closer and we work quite closely together now and um, yeah it was really getting into the kind of like the rag trade really amazing you know and like and just and then hitting people up and being like look do you need anything making and doing bits for people and People were really supportive. Were you ca- calling on contacts? Like yeah, people yeah. you knew in the business? Yeah, so, like yeah. Martine Rose I'd met teaching and I, you know, met mates with some of her people like Kieran and that and, you know, hit them up and did did a few bits for them. She gave us a little freelance design job and, you know, really got helped out. The Cottweiler boys needed a collection last minute. They had a really big season a while ago and we like smashed out six looks for them and, you know, five days really and like, yeah just sort of getting on with it and then something you know you, le- you learn lessons the hard way we took on work that we maybe weren't ready for but yeah. we you know did our best and did like a whole kids wear collection and production 
run of like, like it's like it was a really big order. Fucking hell, it's too big. But we kind of we did it, and it took longer than it should. But yeah. like, you know, you learn from these things, man. Yeah, got yeah. happen. And we, um, but always kind of like, you know, wanted to do the best of all our stuff, and then sort of started to kind of graph, like craft a bit of a game plan of how the future was going to kind of roll. And I knew that my experience of working with big brands like the Umbro and Nikes of the world, you know, I had to bring that. Yeah. I had to get a link somehow with with that. To be, um, yeah, you've got to get something out of them. Yeah, and it wasn't like, and people would be like, oh, <coughs> selling out, working for the corporate. Like, nah, man, no, it's not. It's like, it really isn't. It's not. And also, what trainees are you wearing there, mate? Yeah, no. no. Come that's, on. That's the kind of thing. <laughs> that's the thing. And, it, um, and everyone's got their brands and whatever, but, you know, you put it out there and, do good work you know um so yeah it's kind of been a bit of a blur really it's sort of like our fourth year really and just been mad busy the whole time what's the um you've built up this team then you've got more than holly yeah there's megan in there now as well she's she's about i've got we've got an apprentice as well Well, i've got an apprentice uh jams um he's 19 Wicked. A G. Yeah. And Young G. And then we've got like a, just a crew of like, kind of like interns and people who kind of like are either at uni and want to work with us for the summer or like, you know, worked at a mate's creative agency that mm-hmm. just want to do a few weeks. So we've kind of got like a real revolving door of people kind of just popping in. And and so you provide like, you do t-shirts you, if someone wanted 150 t-shirts two colours yeah so you'll do yeah, that work with that I'll kind of I'll bash out the artwork and then we'll use Pete down at um, Wicked down at PhotoFit so we've got a great relationship I do all his artworks yeah he helps us out like yeah good thing going on so that's the screen printing so bit. you're covered there yeah and then we'll do pattern work for people we'll take drawings people have that they're starting up a brand and do their first sort of protos help them get stuff graded and then if they want to order more than we can do we'll put it in a in like somewhere else in Tottenham like another bigger sample unit mm-hmm. um, all sorts really like get a lot of walk-ins like yeah. people in Tottenham just wanting stuff made and random stuff fixed and I like that part of it because it's start, nice. really started to like know the area which yeah. is amazing you yeah. know? and like really like yeah sort of know who's about and you're doing charity stuff as well like with yeah you, you help the kids there a bit yeah we're doing like we um it was through uh through phase me actually i met a guy called felix who um like volunteers at a place called project future so we do a bit of stuff we get um young people on referral from that and sort of try and Training with their brands and stuff, and like and a bit, a bit of mentoring as well, and and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we're really like pushing that in a real big way. We yeah. want to like do more and more. We're linking with different sort of bodies to kind of like build a kind of structure, a way that we can do workshops for mm. people and sort of. Yeah, what was the um? You just done a kids project, didn't well, not kids youth project. Was it at the Nike? Spot you produced a load of work with um, yeah. With the ki- what was that? It was I car? I can't remember like our third or fourth project with Nike. 
Um, so until that point, we'd been getting work often through agencies or, you know, other third parties kind of thing. And what type of work would that be? Like design, design work or like designing pieces? No, like ex- execution for, for, uh, for events or stuff. Like oh, right. we did, um, the, the bags for like the SKL launch, you know, that oh, wicked. Done like mad fast cause it was all last minute and you know, really good brief, make like a bomb proof JD sports bag. So we like smashed them out and printed them. Brilliant. And, um, a few other bits here and there did the launch for the Tottenham Nike kit. That was the first one actually. Wow. So we did like a workshop where we were customizing product at the launch of the kit in Tottenham. Um, so yeah, did wow. some really <laughs> like wicked stuff. Um, but yeah, like sort of working directly with Nike and, and the team there, like big up to Andy, Andy Brown over there. Like, I've heard of him. Yeah. He does, he does the bits there. Um, and yeah, it was a long process. It was like a sort of six month conversation and the, the concept morphed and changed the whole time. And then it got to the, you know, lead up to the world cup and mm. it was like, you know, got to get this done. And we really like started to hone the project and we kind of moved into a sort of less of a kind of like just maker position and more of a like I guess like an agency in a way so we did the creative and the some of the concept work for it and then briefed the design to the boys outside they love those guys yeah working with them talented crew man yeah man. like jack josh yeah like whole crew charlie like so much love for them yeah um and Jenny as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think it got everyone. And um, yeah, it was a real, really amazing. When they came on board, it like could really see how sick this thing was going to be, you know. And it moved. Even when they'd come on board, it still kept changing and moving, you know. And it was always going to be an event and a work and a or a workshop, and mm. it kind of moved events. And it finally was going to be in Night Town. Got the date, and uh, the concept was we were going to do eleven shirts. Mm. So football teams were for shirts, and uh, I think like a re- it's a really big thing. It, 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 in the simplest part of the, the concept was that Nike wanted to give the shirt back to the kind of fans in a way or to the people. Yeah, and there was that moment uh, when the under seventeen team won the World Cup and they all turned their shirts around and their names on the front. Yeah, and that was like the back of the shirt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a real thing. So we decided eleven backs of shirts, give it up to some people. Who are those people? So the mixture we had like um, Big Zoo, um, and then like load. What else did we have? I can't remember now. Mine's gone blank. It's crazy. <laughs> Bugsy Malone, uh, and then like bunch of community-based football projects so people like football beyond borders that work with Wicked. with kids uh who were kind of like lost their way a bit in school and they use football as a way of like bringing confidence in a way and bringing them back sort of yeah. on track um they do great work and then hackney laces who um are a girls football team mm-hmm. um we work with the uh uh yeah so like the aka academy we're at the foot of Grenfell. That's right. We um, worked with them and did a little little workshop where 
you know, same as the other guys, they had the back of the shirt. And I remember going into that temporary school and, you know, there's a group of like 10 young kids who'd lost like five classmates in, in Grenfell and without any real like, any like real kind of like pushing or anything, they just, man, these kids were just drawing burning towers with felt tips on, on bits of paper, you know, like it was a real like, and like ha having to kind of like work with them to to put a shirt together that, or a design for the back of a shirt that put all of that emotion and sort of everything into something that was tasteful and yeah and still heartfelt was a real moment man it was like that was really amazing and and like a real privilege to be able to do that, that. must have been some fucking experience man it was it was it was real and it kind of like the whole project really was a real a real like it really was we worked really hard on it and it took it took it out of us all a bit. You know yeah, I mean? I bet. Like, we all crashed afterwards. I got a chest infection. I've been up like the last week. We were doing like fucking dumb hours, you know, and, like really cracking the whip. Two hours and, sleep and all that shit. Yeah, literally, and like. But as well as the exhaustion, the it's the the emotion as well. Oh, yeah, and like, just afterwards, just like there was so much love, man. Everybody involved in it was just so happy to be there yeah. involved you know it, back at your place when you're putting these pieces together just you and your team yeah i don't even know if you spoke about it and it doesn't matter if you did or didn't but there must have been some moments with a, your team and yourself just looking at these pieces putting them together and thinking fucking hell like yeah the moment when i came back from that workshop with the kids um with the drawings I've never held on to anything so tight in my life getting the tube back from West London to Tottenham. I bet. That bag full of drawings was worth Oh man. so much, man. And like, I, it was really busy and I, gave, I think I gave it to Megan and Holly and was like, These, everything in this bag needs scanning and this is what it is. And just, we, no one really said anything and we just got it all in the computer. Um, Them girls would have been thinking stuff as well, you know what I mean? Yeah every stage of that there would have been thoughts yeah deep deep and resonating projects man yeah and do you know what props to fucking nike and everyone there for like letting this happen man yeah and like it's big it was, it was a really good a really good thing and and you know what whatever people say about brands and you know they can see you know they do things wrong and they do things right, but that was a good thing. Hey, you know, I was chatting to someone yesterday about business in general and someone in our culture who set something up in... One of the first things, businesses up within our culture in the 90s and how come towards the end it was, oh, fucking hell, he's sold out and he's got... Burn. I'm like, well, where did you expect him to go, firstly? Yeah. So any of these brands, they start off as something and they grow. It's inevitable. It's what happens. It's how it is. <laughs> and they make mistakes they're not always morally right with their decisions but we've got to learn to fucking forgive and then the other yeah. part is when you get to meet someone like the people you know at night like give them give them more time because they they want to produce good work like majority of time all of this yeah. is about is getting something produced well like it isn't about Pride, man as well because yeah. it, like it's not you know i've been there it's not easy where if you're creative and you work in a brand yeah i can't it i isn't mean it's an easy environment I'm, i can't imagine man yeah and it's tough and like people I'm not saying they're all saints no, by any means. No, no. And, you know, the ethics of the companies, yeah, 
Yeah. We know there's things that need to change, but yeah. let's but also... How do you do that with not, if you're not in, in it? Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's, that... impossible. it's all very well standing outside yeah. and going, you lot are fucking idiots. Yeah. But like, there are people who genuinely want to change this stuff. Yeah. There are people who just, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and fucking go yeah. to work. But, mate, it happens in every single... Everything. 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 Exactly. Everything. So, yeah, pointing the finger at certain times, it's just like, no, because look, look what you've pulled off. Like, and... Yeah, and it was... It was um, yeah, and it's great, and we've got you know we're getting a lot of, a lot of um, you know it's just so it's World Cup year, isn't it? Mm. And we're just getting a lot of, like attention from it and stuff, which is good, and it means we can grow for off off this, and in a good way, and in a way that like, feels genuine, and it's going to help us do more of that, mm. hope, you know, more of that, championing of good causes, but also making it fucking cool. Do you know what I mean? So like making something that's yeah the good causes thing I had Jimmy round here recently really yeah. old friend of mine and I know he's a friend of yours yeah. and he's all about it and he's not that he ever wasn't about good causes he always has been but like he's making his con- you know conscious effort really through the work he's producing and he started working with you and like yeah what is the so I got um I've got a call from uh Sticker Josh Sticker at, mm. at Outside Collective and he was like just seen my mate Jimmy and he's got a mad idea, uh, and you need to hear it. And I was like, mate, set up the meeting. Let's go. Let's give him my number, tell him to come round, innit? And then I remember he walked in the door with his big smile, and yeah. it's just like, this guy. Yeah. Didn't really, to be honest, it took, you know, after like meeting, it clicked and put all the dots together, and then you know, I'd seen his work, and was like, wow, oh, this guy's like a G. He's a fucking genius, man. Total. Total. But that whole the, the development project that we're working on together is just, I think it's got legs, man. Like, it's massive. Amazing like, idea. So the concept is uh, approaching brands to give product to the development uh, project. And between sort of Totten Textiles and, and Jimmy's crew, we're going to, we just sort of reprint and up, up, upscale them, customise them in a mm. way, and then sell them on. All the money the profit goes to a different cause each time. So each mm. little project, depending on what you know, if we each get collection. Like one jump, yeah, each collection. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's a, I think it's, a, it's really simple in a way. Yeah. It's really, really simple. simple. So straightforward. Yeah. But I just think it's got such legs. Yeah. Like it could go anywhere. Yeah. And it's, you know, if this isn't the year, it hasn't been the, the last few years to fucking give back these are the years man yeah, like, we're right. in it like and they know it's the right thing to do and there's dots that just need connecting that's right yeah like, there's yeah. like there's things and stuff's moving you know the white shirt project we're doing and there's this there's things and, and like harvey nick's got a charity shop now have they? I mean? yeah i saw that i saw an article and was like jimmy get the fuck <laughs> yeah, get a rail in that yeah, exactly like, we need a rail in that and like Things like that, and you know, this I I feel with that project, the sky's the limit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like BMW could give us a car, and we could like, go to town on it, yeah. sell it as a one piece. Like, yeah. that's the level I want to yeah. take it to. You know, it's just being creative minds on on a real giving Making back, amazing yeah. stuff yeah. for a fucking good cause. Yeah, each and every time as well, not just a yearly project or yeah. a yearly. Yeah, event. like we could we we banged out the first one in a week. With swallows and daggers they loved it man like big up to them as well for like getting that was involved. beautiful like, man really yeah we did that and megan and jams went to model it and wolf and stowe yeah we partnered with the what the london wildlife trust printed all these like renaissance paintings of birds on the gorgeous back. Like, man wicked stuff it's you know? beautiful clothing yeah. man real nice yeah 
Real nice. And then our last, I think the only other person I think we share friends with is Johnny, obviously. Yeah, Johnny. He's your neighbour and that's how I met yeah. you. Yeah. And how's your relationship with Johnny, man? How's so I have to give you the whole story, innit? Like yeah. Being, uh, me and Johnny kind of, have, we have a mutual friend, Sarah Fabiri, uh-huh. who just knew that we needed to meet one of them. Yeah. And like, just egged us both on and we were both a bit useless. I think it took us like eight months or something to like, I think, so, well, for it to happen. I'm like, going to say, I'm going to put that on John. Quite a lot, <laughs> quite a lot of those months I'm blatantly going to put on John. <laughs> I know John. Yeah, it's one of them. But yeah. he, he finally, he popped down, because he lives, he lives just up the road from, mm. from the studio. It was a weird day when he come down, man, the day he did come, because um, this whole thing with, like, he said in his podcast about, like, anti-terrorism police yeah. and the spot next door to mine, and, like, the day he came down, the builder that was going in to have a look next door let himself into my studio, and I was like, whoa, who, like, what's yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, went with him and had a look next door, and he was like, yeah, the owner wants to rent it back out. He needs to, you know, that old chestnut needs to get the rent going. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, weird. Yeah. Um, and then John enough. popped in and that got, we were getting on, having a, we had a good old chat, a few hours and that. And I think he meant, I think he said, I'm looking for a spot or a studio. And I was like, really? Yeah. Like next door's just come up. And like, we did the whole story of how the Kurdish guy's been thrown out. And, yeah. and he was like, bloody hell. So I made some calls and literally, I think within a, week or something like <laughs> seriously it might even be days or something we were just yeah like a couple of days we were just sat there and he was he signed the contract with matt and like it just happened like and yeah and he's been our neighbor since and like just wicked working with him man like such an eye-opener to a whole like, i met so many good people from yeah. john and a good family man good man and we've done some mad stuff like when he dressed um skepta for top of the pot yeah went with him and like mad stuff man like and he's he, he we just i feel we just have like a lot in common even though we don't do you know what i mean like, yeah we're from really different worlds but it, it's 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 not 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 both your purposes are the same there's a lot of common ground. There's a lot of common ground. There's a, co- a lot of common agendas. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's, he's just a really fucking funny, hilarious guy. Yeah. And yeah. When I turned up at that spot, I was just like, I can't believe he's done this. Yeah. I can't believe he's... But mate, it happened at the right time because, like, that was, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah, just you know, like 18 first, months ago. We were, like... Yeah, like sort of about we were about the same amount of time into yeah. Tottenham Textiles. And mate, it was a hard it was a hard time. Yeah. You know I mean, it wasn't you know, it wasn't popping, it wasn't like you know It's grafting. Money's everything, but it was yeah. bleak it was bleak. Oh you know mate, yeah, I mean? you, you need bleak. to eat, man, you've got to pay the bills. It's not it about was, buying trainers, it's about, you know, getting literally, the literally like yeah. it was like that. And then like having John there just you know, it just like it lightened the mood a lot, man. Yeah. It made it brought a lot of the love back for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it must enjoyment have been. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the humour that he's got. Yeah. And like, it was You've made a, a beautiful space, but having this comedian next door. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? On this, on, and you know, let's yeah. be honest, Seven Sisters isn't yeah. the most bright and happiest nah. and joyful of places. Nah. You know what I mean? And you made, you've made a lovely space, obviously, where you work is gorgeous. But yeah, having this guy, yeah. it's just changed it. It's just giving it yeah, that. Yeah, man, it gave us the energy boost we needed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? To keep like, keep fucking plugging at it. Yeah. And like, 
and having him there. Now he's on to like, I don't know if I can even talk. Probably, probably, the, probably the not. Thing oh, that's things. Secret, yeah, yeah, no, that's out. He spoke that's about out. that. Yeah, they dropped that by accident. Yeah, when when's it out? This week, mate. It's it is this week, isn't it? Twenty ninth is mate. Yeah, he he did say it now. way too early, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but like you know, like working with him on that, like it was perfect man mm. like my previous experience and kind of like yeah guidance mate, it was a joy being sat across the table from mike <laughs> ashley with johnny banger <laughs> i didn't even say anything in that meeting man it, i was just in hysteric the whole time <laughs> like, this is unreal that would like, have been a fucking you know, amazing documentary that whole thing yeah with them, honored of like he's he's you know he's in it he uh, yes. he's another one man he's he's just stayed stayed he, johnny isn't any different from the day i met him he's exactly the same person he's done loads of different things he, a million and one different projects but he's the same guy like always always smiling always ready for a laugh ready to take the piss ready to make light of it because it's not that serious yeah. you know what i mean and is his mate all right yeah. that's all he cares about yeah. and it's, oh, it's beautiful man yeah Cause when and then when he gets working, it's just there, yeah, it's just buzzing. Yeah, he's a classic, classic guy, man. It's amazing to see his journey. Amazing, really yeah. good. But um, Louis, man, that was pucker, brother. Thank you. What's next? What's next? Um, we don't have to say anything major, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's more work. Yeah, there's more work. We're we're going to be doing some product, some big brands soon. We're, good. we're launching our own in-house brand. Wicked. Which um, we're really excited about. Because we just need an outlet now and it's time. Yeah. So you cool keep producing stuff for other people, yeah, but it's nice totally. to be able to produce your own, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you've got and all the tools. It's, more, it's not just a brand. It's going to be like a collaborative platform. Good. So any 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 projects that come through the door where they people want our input. It, it may well great. work. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's going to be like Totex. Wicked. Totex, yeah, nice. It's just like, we just took some letters out, innit? Boom, <laughs> yeah. boom, I like it. But yeah, we kind of, in it, um, Totex. And we just want to bring like, all the sort of, the youth projects we work, we want to bring people from like Tottenham, we want to, it's from Tottenham, and yeah. like we're all, that's, we're not going anywhere. Pucker. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Amazing, man. Well, that is a sick journey, man, and I've, I've loved hearing it, especially as I know fuck all about bands, <laughs> and I know nothing about Wales, and you know, nothing really about fashion to that level so that was yeah amazing man thank you so much thank I'm you sure everyone will enjoy it wicked brother cheers well that was dope and incredibly different to the stories we've been getting that really was an immense amount of work that we put in over the years and what great experiences in education and work life Tottenham Textiles is the future. Louis is inspiring and giving people the shortcut to realise their designs in the studio. And if he's a man of experience and expertise, you're definitely in good hands over there. Go check him if you're local. He's next door to Sports Banger, which makes for a lively spot on Seven Sisters, right opposite the giant snail. Hope you enjoyed that one. Remember, love your city and love your culture. This is F24.